Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe. Now introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Gaines, and Ed Mann. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Three Devs and a Maybe. Um, I am Fraser. You probably haven't heard my voice in a long, long time. And with me is usual hosts, Ed. Hello. And Mickey. Hello. Fraser, how are you doing, sir? You haven't been on the show for, I think we were, I think I worked out, it's like almost a year. I'd, I'd be surprised if it was less than a year, to be honest with you. Because I've, I've lived in my current place for about nine months, and I've not done a single one since I've lived here. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is a first for me there's been an iron man going on i know that you've been doing a lot of work what was what's the dealio yeah so um well september i did did the iron man that was good so the, the training and all that took up a hell of a lot of my time which was my excuse for for that but that finished in september um so ever since then i've literally just been working work's been going really really good i've had a couple of promotions in the last year or so uh, which is good. So I've gone from being a senior developer to lead developer, and now I'm head of web development, which is which is nice. Wow. Yeah, quite enjoying that. So um, yeah, work's going fantastically. I've done very little um, freelance work, and I'm thinking of just sacking that off altogether at the moment, to be honest, just because every time kind of it, it comes around time to submit my tax return, it's always very complicated. And yeah, I've had a bit of a, a bit of a not falling out, but a bit of a a bad time with the tax office this year. Like, yeah, they they kind of say they after I submit my tax return, they said, "Oh, you owe us another five hundred quid." So I was like, "Well, where's this five hundred quid come from?" And then they said, "Oh, well, it's from two years ago's tax returns." So I proved that I'd paid that, and then they're like, "Oh, actually, no, it's not from there. It's from this." And so, so they've been basically taking money off me without my knowledge and then paying it back after i've complained and then giving me more money and then requesting that back but i think it's finally come to end anyway but anyway that's a bit of a rant anyway but uh yeah it's more hassle than it's worth for for the minimal freelance work i do anyways to be honest so um yes it's especially when when you're in the office for eight hours eight, well eight hours a day and then you come home and you don't really want it well i don't know about you guys but you don't really want to write any more code when you get home um and then to have to on top of that deal with kind of billing and and paying off your invoices and all that kind of stuff so yeah i'm thinking of, of just kind of getting rid of everything that i've got and yeah happy days man so, so how was the iron man then well i've got to speak about this because it sounds like the the training sounded insane like how was the day it was it was really good it was, it was a fantastic day like the day before the the kind of the bigger thing for the iron man was all the trainings it was nine months of 20 hours a week of running and cycling and swimming um so the, the kind of the the day itself was was the icing on the cake because it was all this all this preparation all this prep it kind of came to came together and uh yeah i i'm not the fastest triathlete in the world but i managed to to get to the end of the course but it was it was fantastic yeah and it was quite a quite an emotional experience stood on the beach because it was something that i've wanted to do for a number of years um and then uh like the welsh national anthems playing i'm not welsh at all um but you, but you must have, there was a tear in your eye i'm sure i'm sure yeah it was a bit of a lump in the throat they were all singing and uh it was yeah it was quite a quite a nice experience and the sun's coming up over over the sea and everything and then uh yeah and then they they kind of they started playing thunderstruck by acdc and everyone pounded into the water and it was it was just an amazing atmosphere yeah and then getting to the end was was fantastic and getting the medal around my neck and uh and, and what have you but yeah 
So I've got. So, so what was the hardest part? I know you're you're into your cycling a lot, aren't you? Yep. So that may have been like, was that like the least? No, I'd say I'd say the cycling was the worst part of it, to be honest. Just because it time wise, it's it's a much bigger proportion of the day. It's like sixty or seventy percent of the day versus the the running and the swimming. Um, I'd say the most enjoyable was was the swimming, um, because it was just an experience that I hadn't done before. I'm not a strong swimmer, and I've not done a whole lot of swimming in my life. So to be in the water with like a thousand other swimmers and kind of and and feeling as if I'm holding my own as well, which was quite nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that that was quite a quite a nice thing. And then the the bike ride was just kind of boring. I got like a, a flat after about a mile, so it's 112 mile miles on the bike. And then after a mile, I got a flat, so I had to change that. And I'm getting overtaken by all these people that I'd kind of beaten out of the swim and, and all this kind of stuff. So that was a bit demoralizing. Um, and then, yeah, got that fixed. And then it was just a real a bit of a slog, to be honest, on the bike. It was some of the scenery was quite nice. But, it, yeah, I, I very easily could have or I very happily could have ended the bike four hours before I did. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then on to the run. And the run was... A whole marathon. Yeah, I was quite tired by that point anyway, obviously, understandably. Um, oh, but no, was... no, that's crazy. How can you be tired after like five mile, you know, what is it, five mile swim and then 120 Oh, miles? no, it was only a two and a half mile swim or 2.4 oh, oh, mile swim. Oh, is that it? Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, but yeah, so the, the run was really enjoyable because it was, it was four laps of 10K around the town of Tembe and just out of town and stuff. So the, the whole town came out to cheer. So the atmosphere was really good. And uh, yeah, did the whole running down the carpet and the, the announcer guy did the whole you are a nine man and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, got myself a, a medal and a slice of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of slices of pizza, I hope. Uh, it was actually, yeah, I did have two, yeah. A bit greedy. Oh, picked out there, God. Yeah, I know. The calories you must have burnt on that day. <laughs> a good few, yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's, it's all been going very well, to be honest. So uh, what about you guys anyway? Because we've, we've had a bit of a chat back and forth, but professionally, we've, I don't really know what you guys are up to these days. Are you still at my builder? I am indeed, yeah. Working, we're working on a couple of interesting things at the moment. We're doing kind of a content platform, um, and it's always interesting kind of incorporating something like we decided on using a third-party solution, and incorporating that into the stack's always a fun one. I've been working a lot with Varnish this week, actually. Uh, Varnish caching, you can do some crazy routing things with it. How about you, Mixter? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still still freelance. Um, Are you still working 700 hours a week? Um no not too much now actually to be honest with you i'm I'm pretty pretty uh yeah pretty strict on the hours i do pretty that's really good uh, you've got to find time to put prison break into it haven't you really you know you've got to somehow line it up you know don't get me started oh yeah i'm so addicted to that um but uh yeah no i'm still freelance and uh yeah still enjoying it i think uh grass is always green on the other side sometimes it feels and uh Sometimes I think, oh, am I doing the right thing? But yeah, no, I'm generally in, enjoying it. So um, yeah. at the moment, I'm just um, so yeah. It has been a while since I spoke to you, but yeah. So the main application that I've been working on for my big client uh, that went live just after Christmas, and that's all going okay. So we're just sort of moving on to the next stage of it, which is like making it so that uh, we can white label it and other people can use the software and and sell it, etc. So that's going well. But at the moment, I'm just doing. Uh, creating the api side of things which was dead quick and easy to do but i suspected that the documentation stage would be harder and uh yeah so that bit is to be honest at the moment it's a bit of a nightmare but i'm using um i don't know if you, have you guys heard of swagger yep you have cool yeah so yeah, i think we've just started using that have you oh yeah. right. oh, i might be the person to like nag about it it rings a bell yeah so but yeah so it's really um 
cool sort of open source tool that allows you to um, basically document your uh, your code. You do it in like annotations for like your your methods and stuff, and you do it in a. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong now. I think it's a doctrine um, annotation style, which I've never used before in my life. It's not exactly you know massively different from anything I've ever done before, but it is a little bit different. Um, but yeah, annotations are okay and everything. But uh, then uh, what it also gives you is like um, you can download like a uh, like a UI tool, so then people can play with the API and use it. You know, execute the calls and stuff, or or what you can do alternatively, which is what I've decided to do in the end, is they've got like a like a cloud version of it where you you give it like a YAML file with all your um, API in there, and then it creates like the editor for you and everything so then people can use it and it's completely free there is like a you know pay tier of like most things but still for what you get like out out the box free is, is incredible but uh yeah at the moment i'm just kind of everything i've been working with my, with my api before has been kind of like um uh just sort of like server-based kind of authentication whereas now because i'm using like this this ui then obviously i need to make sure that that can contact my api my oauth 2 server get a token and obviously do that all in a very safe way. So that that's what I've been playing with the last few days. And it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Okay. Actually, but uh, it's been a bit of a learning curve for me really. So I still massively find OWF too confusing, even after using it for a long time now, like it just, I always forget what each, you know, sort of grant type does and what the ins and outs of those are. So yeah, it's uh, not, not the fun part of the project from being honest, but um, hopefully it'll be, yeah, really good when it's done. So, yeah, that's really cool. It's, yeah, it's really nice to hear that you're not putting so many hours in as well. Because last time we spoke, I think you were saying you were doing sixty odd hours a week, and uh, yeah, and I think that was you know more than anything like when I was doing all the uni work and stuff as well. Yeah. And I was obviously having to do that at weekends, evenings, and that's all done now. So I'm just waiting to hear that I failed, and I'll do it all again. <laughs> but oh, still optimistic as ever. But um, so, so when do you get your results back? Ah, oh, June apparently. So um, right. Yeah, but they still make you pay for uh, to hire your like graduation gear for the day and pay for your well, ticket. Like the top hat and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they make you pay for that regardless of whether you you know passed or failed. Oh, really? Yeah, so I had to pay for that. That was like uh, nearly a hundred pound for the ticket and the um, the I don't know what you call it the gown or whatever. We're going to need a lot of pictures, bud. This is a good moment, a big moment. You've already done this, though, already, haven't you? But this is like the next stage. This is the master stage. Yeah, you get a slightly different hat, I think. So, you know, I can't miss out on that. So, uh, yeah. So do you get to throw it in the air like you see in all the American films? No, <laughs> you're not allowed to do it. They're going to let you. No. Well, because they don't want you to lose the hat or because of health and safety? <laughs> health and safety, exactly. You could chop someone's head off. A lot of people died last year from uh, hat throwing. So they... <laughs> yeah, you read about the news, 3,000 people died. <laughs> yeah. It was like primary schools, like bang conkers and stuff. So there you go, they ban yeah. hat throwing as well, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, I think it's more like damaging the hats, but... Um... Yeah, so, yeah, but at least that's done. And like you say, um, yeah, no, I'm not, to be honest, as I've got older now, I'm like, I'll do the hours that I I plan to do, and that's it. Because, you know, like, Toby's grown up so quick, and I don't want to regret missing out on that, so I just refuse to do. Yeah, I saw a picture that Abby posted on Facebook of him. He looks like he's 26 now. <laughs> yeah, I saw your comment, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? So, uh, I sound like a proper old man now, but time really does fly, so... Uh, yeah, no, but I've you know at the moment I've got quite a uh, healthy 
work-life balance and uh yeah it's all, it's all going good really but like i say i i do get jealous now again like when i saw your picture with uncle bob oh yeah i'm thinking that's what you miss out on being uh self-employed so, so yeah. how was that anyway it was really good yeah um we went to the same talk last year anyway um so it was exactly the same talk yeah. but it was uncle bob and it was free <laughs> so you you have to go and then i kind of i was kicking myself a little bit last year because i think we didn't go up and, and get our autograph and get sorry get get our autograph get his autograph or get a photo taken with him um so yeah we we made sure we did that this time and it was really accommodating bless him but you could see that he was like oh god i'm only doing this because i have to <laughs> if you know what i mean like he was <laughs> very polite yeah. face but you can see like deep down he he was kind of over interacting with everyone he just wanted to go home um but it, it was really good yeah so a few of us from work went along um so i think it was like five of us so yeah we all, all went and had our photo taken with him and uh yeah it was really good and you were talking about maybe going as well ed weren't you i know i missed out i know i really sucks man because it, it sounded interesting so it was so it was this the same talk as last year then because what was the actual premise of the talk so he calls it like the programmer's oath. So he basically wants to put together like a, or he's kind of encouraging developers and programmers to get together. And I know how like lawyers have got an oath and I assume doctors have got an oath and what have you. And it's basically like a, a code of conduct. Like you must never write code that harms another person or you must never write code that harms another individual and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you must never, there's all these kind of commandments that he wants programmers to live by and they're all very good and all very useful and stuff but he's he was kind of putting across the argument it was like if, if we don't set these rules in place as programmers ourselves then something bad's going to happen and then the government's going to step in and the government's going to tell us that we have to abide by a certain oath and we're going to end up way worse because of it effectively that is really interesting yeah and it's a, it's a really good idea, but uh, he's just kind of putting the idea out there. I don't think he's actually fronting a big movement, but um, yeah. But it is, it's a really interesting talking in the in the traditional Uncle Bob manner. Like he'll start off talking about, I don't know what he was, he was talking about. Yeah, what, what was it about? Thing. What science thing? It wasn't an astrology thing. It was about, it was chemistry, but yeah, I, I kind of zoned out because I don't really understand <laughs> chemistry too well. Um, so yeah, he, he did about 15 minutes talk on that. And then he spoke about like, the history of programming and how... Yeah, the the first proper programmer was Alan Turing, and then in in whatever year that was, it was one programmer and one computer, and then how he, he kind of like drew the curve, and it's like every four years the number of programmers in the world doubles. That's cool. I'm gonna have to hunt down this talk then because I'm sure there must be a recorded version of it somewhere. Oh, there will be. Yeah, if you look on the Skills Matter website, I think you can see it on there. It was they put it up last year. Now, where um, where were you sitting? Because we will be able to spot you on the camera. We were second row from the front. Last year, we were front row. Fanboys. Exactly, yeah. It was kind of good because we turned up and there was there was like five of us this time, but there was only four spare seats at the front row, so we couldn't all sit together, so we had to take the hit and go a row back. You're just like, you I just know. had to quickly get there, man. Who exactly, is... yeah. Queue up, tent, tent outside for the first, well, for three days beforehand. Uh, so, so what have you been up to there tech-wise, man? Because like, as you say, like, if you've been doing all these moves, progressing up, your role changed? Like, how, What have you been doing? It's it's changed a little bit, yes. Yeah. So I'm doing I'm I'm not doing as much programming these days as I as I traditionally had been. Um, whereas before I'd be kind of programming forty hours a week effectively. But I'd say half my time now is programming, half my time's in meetings and and doing other kind of I don't want to say managerially stuff, but kind of because that sounds really lame. But doing kind of yeah, doing other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> other stuff in in that that kind of wheelhouse. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's been a really interesting really interesting time um over the last year anyway because we've we've started using new technologies and stuff i think i mentioned to you guys I say new technologies we're using react and redux now which to us is 
as a business is, is new technology, but obviously it's been around for a little while. Um, traditionally, all our web apps have been built around like Backbone, Require JS, and Grunt. So a lot of our, our existing web apps, um, we've been converting from using Grunt, using Webpack for all our um, all our bundling and what have you, um, and we're no longer using Grunt to run scripts, so we're using npm scripts uh, directly now, which is really good. Uh, it's just nice to get rid of a lot of the dependencies because JavaScript is just getting a bit silly to be honest with you like we've the last couple of days we had a new guy start he started a couple of weeks ago and i spent half half of my my time since he started and like this is this is not big any any reason to do because of him but trying to get him set up on the dev environments and it's kind of like if your if your npm version is slightly different or your node version is slightly different then a certain package won't work properly so when you try and run the build script that we've got it's going to fail because it can't launch phantom for some reason and then so it's been dependency hell for the last couple of weeks but that seems to be quite a common thing that we're experiencing at the moment so we need to i think i mentioned to you we need to look into npm shrink wrap or yarn or whatever to kind of solidify what our dependencies are and where they're going to work and everything um because our build server again runs a different version of node and npm to our local dev machines so yeah it's it's really kind of annoying that we can't just have a, a build once run everywhere solution which is effectively what we should be having um so yeah there's been a lot of that um so you're saying we've done a couple of new apps everything all the new work that we're doing all the kind of the greenfield stuff that we're doing is now react and redux um it was kind of annoying there as well so we we set up this boilerplate which is all our test runners our build scripts um what else have we got in there? All our linting and, and basically your dev environment and Webpack dev server and all this kind of stuff. So you instantly get feedback and, and whatever. So we, we had it all down and then that was on Webpack 1 and then like a week later, Webpack 2 comes out. So like, okay, now we have to go back to the boilerplate. We don't have to, but since we've just done it, we should be on later versions of, of whatever. So now we're upgrading to Webpack 2 and uh, it's, it's, it's all interesting, but it's uh, a lot of boilerplate in the JavaScript world. We were talking about this in the last podcast that, I like accidentally upgraded from Webpack one to Webpack version two. Don't ask me how. I don't know. It was just one of those stressful days where something's broke, so you just like <laughs> just upgrade everything until you get back to like a stable release. And uh, I somehow ended up on like a Webpack version two, and it caused chaos to be honest with you. But then, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Did you? How hard did you find that then? Uh, one of the other guys spent most of the time on it. To be honest with you, um, it was it was very much. Uh, I say. The the first one, because we've got a number of apps that, that we're using Webpack 1, so the first one was a little bit of trial and error, um, but once he'd worked out the, the kind of what he had to do and what he needed to change and which configurations, because it is all this configuration, I guess, at the end of the day, isn't it? So this is like the beauty of management. You can just delegate all the exactly, horrible yeah. stuff and just take credit for it. Yeah, but yeah. yeah the guy that did it, he's, he's a really, really good developer. Um, he's, he's working... We've got an office up in Newcastle. I don't know if, if I'd mentioned that before anyway. Um, so he's working up in the Newcastle office, but he's really good. He's been working on a bunch of Android dev, um, but he wanted to come and do some web stuff. So, so yeah, he's come over to our team. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's done a really, really good job of it. And he's, yeah, really smart, really smart lad. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's managed to knock it out of the park. Very nice. So, so what is then the differences between Webpack 1 and Webpack 2? <sighs> to be honest yeah it's it's configured slightly different so the the configuration in theory is a lot simpler um which is nice because it was quite it's quite confusing with pack one exactly um and in terms of functionality and what it offers you apparently it offers you smaller bundles but we didn't actually do any uh a b testing to to see what those savings were um and i do not know 
there was one thing like tree shaking or something is a big thing isn't it oh that's right yeah but that kind of yeah if you're using a good idea anyway that's the, the benefits of that should be pretty minimal because all it does is it just doesn't compile modules that so yeah if you import a module that that isn't actually used anywhere then uh, yeah it just won't include that in the bundle which is if you've got an id that shows you unused imports and, and whatever then it's it's not it's not irrelevant or it's not it's a nice to have rather than a, oh this is a great feature uh, it's interesting you say that because I, I remember you guys were using webpack a long time before i started using it maybe like a, a year two yeah. years before i did and i was just using gulp at the time and i don't think i wasn't particularly an advocate of gulp but it was like it was easy to use and uh yeah, and you knew it and it did yeah, the job yeah and then slowly over time like i found like um when, when going into production and stuff it was dog slow and um so i switched to webpack and, and like you say i didn't find it particularly like easy to set up or i don't know and like even though i had like a, a webpack config file then i had a separate babble.rc file and it's kind of like i just wanted like everything in one place probably because i'm doing it wrong to be honest with you but i did i'm i've never found it particularly easy if i'm you know being honest no, absolutely. Yeah, it is, it is quite a tricky thing, and it is just a lot of configuration. Yeah, we're still using like BabelRC files and uh, and ESS ESLint uh, dot whatever files to configure the ESLint settings. And yeah, there's a lot of kind of moving parts that all have to work together, and they all have to they all have to work together perfectly, which is not a great thing when there's one 22 year old over here developing Webpack, and there's one 22 year old over here developing Babel, and there's no kind of if you get what I mean. There's no sharing of anything, really. It's a completely different mindset. Even though you're in JavaScript land and you're in like the latest and greatest of ES6, there's no transfer. Yeah. The guy I sit next to, he, he's he's my boss. He's the head of engineering. He, he He's a Java programmer. Um, and every time every time we discuss these new kind of tools and whatever, he just sits there and rolls his eyes because it's like, it's it seems, it, or, and, and it is exactly this. Like every, every month or two months or something, there's a brand new technology that has... Um, front-end developers we in quotes have to adopt because it's the new standard and it's just like when, when's it going to settle down and it, it's it's a valid question um, yeah i guess it's the same for well maybe not as frantic but the java guys i mean they've got they have they just had a new uh new release of java have they am i think is it java what version are they on it they got Java 8, yeah, they got Java 8, and then I think 9's slowly, I think, coming out. But I think it is that, I think they've had tried and true, haven't they, with like Swing and all these types of enterprise-y kind of things that have a bit more standard release. Whereas we, with like, you say, with like the open source, free movement of it all, it's kind of, yes, you know, it's like we've moved from Backbone and underscore, to well, jQuery, Backbone, underscore, then we've gone to, okay, now we want to go into React World or you want to go to Angular. I mean, Angular is a whole other thing. You know, Ang- haven't they completely skipped a version? There's no Angular 3? Yeah, they've skipped 3. So it went from Angular Angular 1, which is completely different to Angular 2. And then they're on now on Angular 4, which is a non-breaking upgrade to Angular 2, apparently. So 1 and 2 are completely inoperable. Do you know any of the reasons why they moved? Because with PHP, PHP lost six because of the Unico stuff. It was a tried thing. But is there any reason why Angular 3 was is just vaporware? I don't know. I think I read something about they wanted to go to semantic versioning and then for some reason four made more sense than three. But I don't, I, yeah. Well, it's a bigger number. It sounds better. I don't know. You know? It's like the Xbox 360, isn't it? It's like we can't call it the Xbox what Xbox 2 because you know, it has to be like a PS3. It has to be better. So it's like 360. It's like, yeah, let's just make a number that means nothing. Exactly, yeah. And like, it's not like they're competing against React 
four or yeah. exactly completely different ball game. I mean, well, I suppose it is a technology you can use, but I mean, the, the mindsets in Angular though are quite similar now with like the idea of virtual DOM and things. But obviously, the Flux philosophy and Redux and that I don't think that kind of transcends over. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've not played with Angular two. Like I played with Angular one way back, um, but yeah, I've not touched Angular in in a number of years, to be honest with you. And I do like Angular, um, or from what I've I've played with on on Angular one. But yeah, it is it is very heavy compared to to React and, and whatever. Yeah, because so so how have you found then the the Redux and React model? Because obviously that's massively different than to the your, the backbone work that you've been doing with uh, previous projects. It is, yeah. No, I I really enjoy it. To be honest with you, it makes. It makes complex applications a lot simpler than Backbone because our Backbone apps we're getting and we we still have them and they they still are are like this. But there's you get these kind of it's really hard to work out where something originates from. So you've got all these listeners listening out for certain events and all these different things triggering events and events being list picked up and fired everywhere. And it's it can be quite difficult and frustrating to actually work out where the events coming from. Whereas at least with with the kind of the the single direction of flow within react and redux you, you can you can pretty easily determine what's causing something to update and there's great uh, debugging tools and and what have you for it and it's it just feels a lot cleaner and a lot nicer to just just to work with when stuff starts getting a bit more complex obviously you're doing a lot of games and stuff like that's quite complex stuff in itself like how is the is there much i suppose that like in the code changes like because obviously it's a very different design pattern like did you have to kind of rethink how you were going to do things and kind of play around with that kind of side of things we did yeah we i mean we've, we've not actually done any more games since since that one slot game that we did about a year ago or something we finished that one anyway but uh it's all based on online gambling effectively everything everything that we do um but yeah it, it was a bit of a a kind of a, th- a switch in the way of thinking so we've we've actually got a, a subscription to plural site so all the new devs that come on and, and and start doing react stuff where they've been working on backbone previously will go through the the plural site course which is really really good but it's it, it did take a bit of a a mind shift but i, I way prefer the react way of doing stuff than how we were doing things in uh, in in backbone absolutely and once you change over to thinking that way it's very hard to not think that way and you take it for granted kind of you know the declarative moment you know actions and the store state and it's all you know the single source of truth yeah and have you found like uh, like react as well to that thing because obviously you've got the redux side but then the react side yeah i mean the react has been fantastic as well like it's again there's with react and stuff there's a whole lot of plumbing and boilerplating and stuff that you need to do before you can actually start writing code which has been quite frustrating so we've written a couple of of pretty decent sized apps in uh, react and redux at the moment but it seems like you're spending like 60 percent of your time plugging in different dependencies and stuff than you are actually listening for listening for like i don't know um yeah actually implementing code to be honest with you um but no it, it's been it's been pretty good and especially when like when it's just nice having the store change and then having your, your ui change but stuff like that makes you think differently because you know no longer listening to like for instance when you when you update uh, an input box like you don't update the input box you trigger a javascript event which then updates the proper, not the property, the the state for whatever value is in that. So it goes the whole way through the cycle rather than just I'm just typing something into an input box. 
um which is another way that we we've had to think a lot different um but it's it's little stuff like that but yeah it's it's been great and and have you found like kind of debugging it and stuff do you, do you use logging in, in production and things like that for your javascript stuff now no we still doing that because that was something that um that i'd mentioned to you on, i think on the pre on the last podcast i was on like i really wanted to get us doing some kind of yeah catching the the errors client side and then and uh and sending those to or logging those somewhere but we're not doing any of that in production um in terms of development tools we're using redux dev tools which is really really cool so you know if you see have you played with them much yeah they, they're insane aren't they yeah well you can it's, it's just really good every time there's anything or every every time there's like an action that's dispatched or anything that goes on to do with your store it's nice being able to say exactly what it was before what the action was and what it is now and then being able to time travel through all those things that's that's been really useful sorry do you say is it about the react dev tools or redux dev tools okay because that sounds like something i've been looking for for ages but i'm not using redux so probably not going to help you're not using redux you say i'm not no i know you and i use it and is it redux that i regret not using i can't remember now uh so i'm using flux and react okay and yeah uh no what What's the one that I should have... I'm usable JS. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe I should look at both of those, to be fair. Okay, how do you find immutable JS? Because I'm kind of... I've been tossing the coin whether or not to use it, because obviously it's very useful, but are you ever in situations... Do you just use that to to make copies of your data, or do you ever use, like, object.assign or... Immutable JS? Yeah. I, I'm not using it, and I wish I had used it. Okay, oh, Because sorry. I got burnt big time with um, some of the kind of, like... Uh, uh, should component update methods. I was doing comparisons on uh, objects and stuff, and because various things like it was, it wasn't detecting that something had changed because it was comparing on like the object reference rather than the contents of the objects and all that kind of stuff. And so what I was doing is, um, sorry, probably listeners have heard me bang on about this three thousand times, but uh, for your benefit, like um, I was basically using a really hacky way of doing it because it's just what I found on Stack Overflow, basically. JSON, pass, JSON, JSON stringify, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I did realize was that that was like a, a deep clone of the object. And so as soon as I had like a, maybe like a thousand items and it was doing comparisons on all those, my application became so dog slow. And it was only, I was trying to debug this thing for ages and I finally realized what it was. And then I found like a, a shallow clone function that someone put on again on stack overflow and uh, i switched that out on everything and the speed up was insane like oh it was night and day it really was so uh, so yeah i should have used immutable js and then it would have saved me my horrible hacky way of doing things so uh yeah yeah oh, well at least you, you've got a tendency that you're not having to carry around in your application it's a little bit lighter <laughs> yeah because <laughs> right. that immutable js probably brings with it all kind of manner of other dependencies that it requires as well so it's true it'd be interesting to benchmark my hacks version and immutable js but uh so That's good uh, stuff. yeah next big react app i will use that definitely so you're using flux and uh and react on on the big project that you shipped south christmas that's right yeah i am yeah so uh i've it was a huge learning curve for me and to be honest with you like i say everything i'm doing in javascript really is i'm sure if anyone who is a serious javascript developer looked at it they would just you know instantly vomit but um yeah it has been no i don't think so at all. well it's kind of it's one of those things where i wish i knew what i know now back then because uh, i've learned a lot and um I have been reading a book on ES6 because I kind of, again, I learned it the wrong way, I think. And also what I thought I understood, I, I probably knew like 1% of what ES6 actually gives you. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a really good challenge to have. And, 
like say if you're not learning then you know you're in a bad place so so yeah it's good but i mean like you say with the whole uh the java guys and they've really had too much more to learn about with javascript like you say es6 is it is more for me i know probably a bit controversial but it feels more like revolution than evolution it's it's such a huge shift isn't it i i think personally um i mean i, I guess at one point someone would have said you know oh, if you starting to learn programming just learn a bit of javascript well probably now it's still true but you know that would be if you were learning the real basics i mean if you were looking at es6 i mean it's really it can be really confusing if you were new to programming i think that's cool so eddie so what technologies are you working in mostly at the moment our stack at the moment so we're rolling obviously php we've got react redux um we got flux in there because because we kind of took we adopted like react and kind of that philosophy the flux philosophy quite early on probably two years ago now so we've kind of gone through the times of you know it's See, it was simply flux and it was kind of a lot of stores, a preference stores, and it was the way, you know, with Re- with React and then it was testing it and how to test it with Phantom JS and things like that. And you'd use Karma and you'd hit a massive DOM and, you know, you'd use like a real in a DOM type of thing and stuff. Um, and then we've kind of moved on and we kind of look more into like the GraphQL-y kind of looking things, kind of not really GraphQL, but kind of the way of a philosophy of how it works and how you would kind of use a lot more promise-based approaches. Because it's funny how it's like the Flux or the Redux or the React kind of way the best practice in quotes from two years ago is now completely obsolete and it's like every month you'll see and it's like you look at all the different projects and how people are best in quote best practice doing things now and it's like yeah you completely change the idea now it's the same concepts like your same idea of what you want to complete but the way you do it it's like a to-do app kind of thing like you'll see a completely different implementation even though using the same tools because people have got a different idea of how to build things now uh you know like with redux middlewares and things like that to handle asynchronous flow and instead like in the flux flow we kind of did a lot more we handled it we're using like this the kind of philosophy of having like a server api server callbacks and things like that so that, that that's kind of changed a lot for us um and then like kind of i mean really it has been just it is symphony three it's well symphony two a and then three php we've been for, we've been fortunate enough to be able to release an iphone app using using swift for that the nice thing was we were able to take advantage of the react stuff that, and, and the actual mobile application we've done and really we've just done kind of what you would you know like incorporated a web view into it and because of the bindings you can do now with stuff and web views you can actually really hook into what javascript and stuff it's doing so sten the person who's worked on that he's done a great job like releasing that and working on that yeah are you using docker uh, no so we, this is the thing so again it's that whole even like you say in the javascript world like oh you have to use these things docker was something that was on our radar and we seriously considered it but we've kind of toned down our kind of thinking about using it now because what you want and what you need and, and like whether it's it's useful enough like we felt maybe it's not at this time for us um our, our current stack is is quite interesting really like it's so we've essentially got one big box that handles the admin and handles the the marketplace side of things and then we have some apis and apis are separated although it's on the same stack uh, or on the same hardware everything is kind of think of them as their own set i wouldn't say a microservice the apis but like you know they're separate applications with their own rates of change and stuff although they all live in this is all php bound but although they all live in one monolithic repository 
they're all separated out and the way we can deploy them and we can you know really we release them all together but the way we can actually choose dependencies and handle that stuff is all you know all separated which is quite nice uh we then have another box which deals with is a is pretty much a replica of the live one so that if anything ever in quote went down we could we could always switch to that one uh but also that handles a lot of the cron tasks and stuff and then actually recently we've been moving to we've, we've used a bit of aws stuff um, and we've been using a lot for push notifications because of the, uh, the iPhone app, um, having that on a dedicated server. And actually today with the content stuff is another thing actually where we've decided we're going to move it into its own server as well and then having its separate deployments for that. Um, but really kind of the Jenkins builds and the way, I mean, the way we've done it is we do Jenkins builds because it's one big monolith. We, we initially deployed it to every server and only then had the public configurations for each individual one to, you know, to point to what it needed it, you know, or part of that build. But instead now actually we're doing is we're separating out all of the different Jenkins builds set content up. So content only deploys, even just with a simple last sync exclude is only deploy what that actually needs. But what it is, it's really nice because it, it still is quite a trivial kind of setup, but it works so well. And I think it's very much, a lot of these technologies are amazing and really, really clever and really, really cool if you've got the need for them. And, you know, like maybe we don't have the need for them yet, or, you know, you want to seek to that point when you do need the need for it. Like a lot of these things you hear from like, oh yeah, Google are doing this, so we should do it. It's like, well, do you really need to? Exactly, yeah. And you'll try and find a way to to work that in just because you feel you have to. That's it. And, and you don't. And, you know, keeping it simple, stupid, is the best way. Like, can we make this as simple as possible? Because that's the real, you know, value of code is like simple code that someone can pick up and simple systems that people can pick up and understand. What's the uh, added stress like being uh, head of development then? It's actually not that bad at all. Yeah, we've, we've got some fairly good processes in place anyway. So, yeah, it, it's very rare that... The, 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 uh, yeah, it's very rare that I've got any stress. But the the main point of stress is because I'm still obviously programming. But if I've if I've got a project that that I've got a tight deadline on, but there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm having to do, and like the people that are kind of given given us these deadlines are also the people that are taking me off the project because they need to have meetings for this, that, and the other. It can get silly in terms of that. Um, like for instance, today we had a, a higher level, or I had a meeting to give high level estimates for a project that no one apart from the salespeople had heard of, and they'd already decided the technology stack and whatever. So it was kind of a bit like, okay, so you want me to give estimates for this? We don't even know if it's the best way of doing it. And yeah, basically we just had to say that we can't can't give estimates. But yeah, in terms of stress, there's there's not a whole lot of stress to be honest with you. Um, it's it's it, i don't want to say very cruisy but it's it's uh yeah it's all very manageable you're given like time allocation then for management stuff so you're you're not expected to do the same amount of code as what you were doing before i guess yeah we're talking about we have our stand-up meetings every day and there's been a bit of work that it's only about a day's work and i think on, on monday we had a stand-up and i was like yeah i can probably get this done by the end of today and then monday rolls around and I, I, i've done literally nothing on it because i've been doing other stuff and then yesterday exactly the same as well like so i didn't get a chance to work on it yesterday but yeah it should have it done by the end of today um and then obviously didn't get it done by the end of yesterday and exactly the same today so i'm hoping before i get away for, for the easter break <laughs> and uh yeah i'll get a chance to actually knock that bit of code out because it's not a huge amount of work but i need to be able to sit down and concentrate on it for three or four hours um without interruptions which is quite difficult i think that's the trouble with context which it must be insane yes like you know you instantly are going oh, i've got to go to a meeting now and it's like well that whole kind of thought pattern that you may have had for an hour of doing the code is completely lost now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent, but it's good though. Yeah. I really enjoy it. And I, I do enjoy the extra responsibility and uh, it, it, it's nice as well being kind of being able to direct 
not not direct, but kind of help steer the big ship, the code ship. That's yeah, that's the the analogy I was looking for. Yeah. So, so when they ask for like estimates and stuff, do you actually have to give real times, or is it kind of like medium, high, low, kind of like how hard things are? And- yeah, it really depends. We do t-shirt sizing. I say we do t-shirt sizing. I think I've been in one meeting where we've actually given t-shirt sizes. But yeah, for the for the most part, a lot of our work is apart from the greenfield projects that we've that we get to work on. A lot of it is is maintenance for for our bigger clients. So they've got the web apps already, and they're like, okay, well, we want a feature where if somebody places an unusually large bet, then it gets sent off to a a bet betting trader who will either approve or deny the the bet based on the better's history and stuff so it's all, all little features like i say little features that stuff like that's quite a big feature but it's all additions to what you already have so the business who we've built these apps for they have a general idea of what they want it to do and that's generally based on what another online gambling provider has has already rolled out so we get a good we we know pretty well what it's supposed to do so from that we can break it down and we can give like estimates uh, re- reasonably accurate estimates within kind of a day or or so um so yeah we'll, we'll have we do it the whole kind of the the agile way so we'll have grooming meetings where we'll groom tickets and sprint planning where we'll actually give time estimates for for how long stuff's going to take and then from that then the project managers all plan out uh, when stuff's going to be done and what's what's top of the priority list and then yeah that'll get filtered down to me and then i'll i'll pass it on to um whoever needs to be worked on or working on it it's really interesting though because it's kind of a whole different side that i haven't really thought of much you know and i mean do you miss a lot of the coding or do you like the the fact you're splitting it 50 50 or no to be honest i do like that i'm splitting 50 50 it kind of it balances out a little bit because i really do enjoy writing code um but yeah i'm really enjoying the other part of it as well and it does kind of keep it balanced and yeah i'd, I'd say it's it, it makes things feel a lot more rounded than uh than they previously did but um i, I would like to be able to get good solid blocks where i can sit down and write code like tomorrow when you get this code done absolutely because you said mentioned like obviously a lot of the work is like kind of additions pro written in like technologies like backbone and things like that and are you incorporating are you taking like the cut the jump to like maybe like refactor certain bits of them into redux and react or are you kind of splitting out or uh not so much with it no we're not so much with the the existing backbone apps it was we'd kind of pitched to the client that that we'd we'd very much like to to rewrite a lot of their their stuff in in react yeah what do we get out of it and it's like well you get the same thing but it's in cleaner technology blah blah blah, and it will be easy more easily maintained and it will be more up to it because a lot of these apps are four or five years old so kind of it's it's written in the early days of backbone so the the code quality is not amazing um and there wasn't a lot of test coverage for the early stuff as well but in the end we we kind of pitched it to them they they actually signed up to it and agreed and then we went back to the drawing board and said well actually if we are going to do this the estimates that we've given we can't really stand by those because we don't have the test coverage around what we've what we've currently got to kind of start moving stuff into into react um so we, we basically had to abandon abandon it because to, to get anywhere close to the well we couldn't get anywhere close to the original estimates because we'd have to spend a hell of a lot of time getting the test coverage up because the test coverage is sitting about 40 percent, and we said okay well if we can get the test coverage to 80 percent, then we can we can comfortably go and, and kind of start moving this across into into react and redux um but yeah that would have been too much of a time sap so we had to <laughs> had to put our hands up and say actually we we probably can't do this for the cost that we've that we've quoted you and it's going to be quite a lot more because there's just a whole lot of code that hasn't got any tests behind it and that's the value of a good test coverage exactly it no, has it really covered is. by test and then you can easily refactor stuff later without fear 
Exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of doing boy scouting as we go. So we'll, we'll go and every time we do a bit of code, we kind of say, okay, even if it's just something small, like sort out an ES lint warning or something like that, just so it's a little bit better every time you do a commit. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what we're, what we're striving to do at the moment, at least. Tess, what are they? Uh, <laughs> are you, are you doing tests on your react stuff or? Um, well, I kind of wish I wasn't admitting this like on this podcast, but, uh, not so much. Uh, my back-end code is uh, there's quite a bit of unit testing uh, with the JavaScript stuff. PHP unit? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's the JavaScript that I, I have no testing for. I, I mean, obviously, you know, I test it personally, but I'm, in terms of uh, automated testing, I, I need to – I still haven't – what I really want to do is settle on what I'm going to use for it uh, because – Mocha seems to be very, very popular now. But when I when I did look at it, I was like, this looks confusing. So, uh, but I just need to sit down and learn uh, some of these tools and um, get on it, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but, uh, not Backbone. React makes testing very, very easy. And I think, is it Jest that's just come out from Facebook as well? So I've not had a chance to have a play with that yet. But we are, we're using um, Mocha because we get the Nyan Cat in the console, which is basically the only reason we're using Mocha. Because <laughs> Jasmine doesn't offer that, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's the main reason we're using Mocha. Um, but yeah, we're I'm kind of eyeing up Jest, but at the moment it it would just be another. Oh, we're moving to Jest because it's a new shiny thing, rather than we've actually got a need for it. Wait, for like a JavaScript testing version, like myself, uh, yes. what would you? If I want to like just literally just dip my toe in the water and just set up a few tests, what would be a, a good place to start? Would you uh, say? I'd just start with with probably I'd say Mocha because there's more documentation around around that, and then as in if you wanted to just learn it from the absolute basics, like write yourself a function and then write a test that sits around it. Check that one does in fact equal one is is a good place to start, and then write a function. But uh, but yeah, no, I'd have a look at, at Mocha. They've got some pretty simple documentation anyway, and you can yeah you can start as basic as you want, and you can make it as complicated as you want as well. But yeah, for the for the most. But how does it work with for example, like say I've got a a save template function that you know goes in, changes some stuff in the store, and then makes like a XHR request and then PHP. So, how do you test that without actually committing to you know the the persistence level and storing something you don't want to? So you'll you'll generally mock the the API calls, so you won't actually interact with the API itself. You'll kind of yeah, you'll you'll mock it and you'll fire off a response and you'll intercept that response. So before it actually gets kicked off, you'll you'll return what you want to test the return value with. So I've got you. So you would see how that would react to whatever status code you mock sending back. I take it, and then exactly, yeah. Um, but that's that's another thing. There's so many different tools as well. Like for for testing, we're using like Mocker and Synon, and we're using Enzyme. Um, what else are we using and that's just yeah just for testing itself you've like you've got three dependencies and they've all got dependencies and they've got dependencies and it's it's just silly the scary thing like when you if you look at your your package json and say you've got like 10 files that you've got as dev dependencies and you do your npm install and then you go and open up your node modules folder there'll be 150 packages in there <laughs> uh, one more question uh, since we've got such a javascript guru on the, on the show uh, in terms of like error handling in javascript Yes. Now, I I do this on like a function by function basis. So you know, uh, switch case. If I get this status code, do this. If do you do that globally, or do you do it the same way that I do it? Because the way that I'm doing it seems like I'm perhaps duplicating work. Whereas maybe I should say, well, if I get the status code, you know, 
pass this message to this error handler, do it that way. What, what's your your method on that? I mean, I've, I've generally been doing it the way you're doing it. So on a on a when you say on a on a function, is it basically say say you got response on an API call? Is that yeah. is that what you're yeah. doing? Yeah, I generally have a, a class which is the master API call, and then from that you just extend that. So you've got the error handling within the the master class, and then you'll create a class from yeah, you'll create a, a class from the original one, which doesn't need the error handling because that's already in the master one, and then you can just change whatever parameters you need for for that. So you've got like a base. Sounds yeah. much more sensible. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I think we're almost hitting up to the hour mark, so I thought, you know, maybe this is a good time to uh, to stop. But I say, like, Fraser Van, it's been great chatting to you again. Yeah, likewise. No, thank you very much for yeah for putting up with me. Well, we definitely have to do this a bit more often, hopefully. Uh, Audrey, it's been another great episode, and we'll speak to you again next cool. week. Peace. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com. Or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.